0: Thank you all for listening to episode number one, which was yesterday, July 2nd. Uh, really meant a lot. Uh, big announcements! that You can also find the podcast not only on Anchor, but Pocket Casts and Stitcher as well. Just search for the Ryan Wilder Sports Podcast. You can also go to my Anchor page and visit it right from there. Hopefully, in the next day or two, we will have the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, just a couple more services. That way, it makes it... Uh, a little easier for you to find the podcast on your preferred service, but as of right now, we've already gotten added on two more services in Stitcher and Pocket Cast. so definitely check it out. Uh, if you don't like using the the Anchor player, you definitely go to one of those two services to get your fix of the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. I also redesigned my website over the past couple of days. You can go to ryanwaldis.com. That's where I post uh, a lot of my, my blog posts. That's also where you can find my podcast. A little bit about me, and in the future, you'll also be able to see my audio and video reels if that's something that uh, that would interest you. Moving on now to the the podcast for today, today's edition, July 3rd. Have some NBA news to talk about. Obviously, a very big thing happened in the NBA yesterday that got everyone all up in a tizzy. Uh, moving to some NHL news, there's a couple things that we need to talk about there, and then we will end the show with a, a brief baseball discussion. We've reached the halfway point of the season in baseball, most of the teams have anyway. So we'll just take a look at the, the standings current playoff picture and discuss maybe some surprising disappointments, uh, at least for me personally. Just as a, a shameless plug, if you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can do so. Just search my name, at Ryan Waldis. You can do that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. If you could think about the social media site, I'm probably on it, and if not, but you want me to be on it, just let me know, and I'll definitely look into it. Uh, and as I said, you can also find this podcast on Stitcher and PocketCast, and hopefully in the next day or two, uh, even more services. So let's move into the the NBA, the, the big thing that happened uh, yesterday in the NBA, DeMarcus Cousins, I, it's, I talked about him in the podcast on Monday. It seemed like he was down to really the Pelicans and the Lakers. Alone. I said maybe there's a surprise team. I wasn't really expecting that, and nobody was expecting him to go to Golden State. I know a couple of people on Reddit, they're like, oh, he's going to go to the Warriors on an on a MLE. And lo and behold, he signs a one-year, $5.3 million contract to join up with the, the back-to-back champions, the Golden State Warriors my immediate reaction to this was, I was uh dumbfounded. I was speechless. I didn't know what to think about it. Uh, I figured this is a guy that I granted he's coming off of uh, a major injury that he suffered back in back in December. So it, i I knew that he wasn't gonna get a ton of money. I I knew he wasn't gonna get his true worth, but to to sign on with the with the Golden State Warriors that you the gold they were is they don't need help. They could have just gone into next year, the same roster they had this year and they would have been fine. They obviously don't need any help. And yet they, they bring in a guy um, who was statistically one of the, the better big men in the league last year prior to his injury. And they don't get him for, you know, 10 to $15 million. They get him for the MLE. They get him for $5.3 million. So uh, immediately I you know it's I I was shocked. I I was like what the f, right? You know, but I, I take a step back uh, and I I consider everything that goes into it goes into this decision and then at that point I wasn't overwhelmed, I wasn't underwhelmed as I told one of my friends um when we talked about it for a little bit. I was like I'm welmed. That's all. I'm welmed about this move. You figure th- th- it's this is as close to you know one and done as you can get in the NBA in terms of this deal. So he signs out for one year. He's going to be going safe for one year. He's going to win his ring. And then it's that, that'll that be that. People can call him soft, saying he's ring chasing, this, that, and the other. It, at the end of the day, he's a free agent, right? He can choose where he wants to go. That's That's the right he's earned by being a free agent. Did he sign? For maybe less than he could have gotten from the Pelicans, yeah, there were reports that the Pelicans are going to offer him somewhere in the realm of ten to fifteen million dollars, and that's fine. But you know, it's you have to take a look at it from you know a a larger standpoint, a larger viewpoint. I think you have to have the longest view in the room. He's going to be one and done. So after next year, he's not going to be in Golden State. He'll get paid what he deserves to get paid. He's not going to play. Early on that Achilles injury is going to keep him out until I would say December or January at the earliest and Golden State. They're obviously a very unique team. So, so Boogie, he can really, he can stay out really as long as he wants. He could sit out until March or April if he really wanted to. Uh, It's, he's not going to play early on the, the injury history. I think with an injury of this, of this caliber is something that's not being stated enough right? You look at the history of big men that are kind of built like DeMarcus Cousins and their, you know, their track record of coming back from an Achilles injury and performing at the level that they did before. It's, it's not great, right? It's, it's not terrible. It's not, it's not great though. So it's, I think, I think people got a little too worked up over this DeMarcus Cousins deal. I'm looking forward to seeing, how it works out personally, I wasn't very pissed off. You some people are saying, "Oh, he ruined the league. He's soft. He has it. He doesn't care." It. At the end of the day, as as I, as I said uh, a minute or so ago, he earned the right to do this. Now, would is it fair to say that there's something wrong with the CBA and you know the way free agency works in the NBA that allows him to do this? Sure, you could be upset about that, but you can't be you know, overly upset that DeMarcus Cousins took advantage of the system to do what he wanted to do. Now, as I said yesterday uh, about DeMarcus Cousins, he had a very high usage rate last year with the Pelicans uh, before his injury. He was just behind Harden, Westbrook, and Embiid. So you can understand how high his usage rate was. You can understand how much the ball was in his hands. It's not going to be like that in Golden State. Obviously, there's there's times when he's probably going to be you know, the fourth or fifth option in that offense. And I think that's good for him. Obviously, his stats are going to go down, but I think that'll be good for him, especially coming back from major injury. He'll have a chance to kind of recoup his value because his value is, is obviously it's very low right now. So he's going to have a chance to kind of get his value, his stock back up. And then next year, this is another thing that, that people didn't talk about either. The cap situation of teams is is obviously not very good this year in free agency. That's why you're not going to see a lot of these teams dole out these big money long term contracts. It's not a good market to be a free agent, especially one of 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 boogies, of of boogies caliber. So it's he gets to raise his stock again this season whenever he hits the floor. That way, going into free agency next year. He can get, you know, he can finally get paid his worth. Next year in free agency, he'll get 15 to $20 million easily. But I, I don't think it's, you know, too out of the own possibility to see that he got paid, you know, the MLE this year. Could he got paid $10 million by some team? You know, sure. Bobby Marks, uh, you know, didn't seem to think that he could unless he went to a rebuilding team. But obviously, he doesn't want to do that. He's been around for a while. But I think... This is a very good situation for DeMarcus the League was was from all corners too the players were shocked uh, the the media was shocked everybody possible did not expect this to happen Joel Embiid for example tweeted out let's pull a DeAndre Jordan and just trust it and of course he's referring to when back a couple of years ago DeAndre Jordan agreed to sign that deal with the Dallas Mavericks, but because free agency contracts are not really official until about a week or so after uh, free agency begins, uh, he backed out of it and decided to stay with the Clippers. That's what Embiid is referencing. Bobby Portis said, but Chris Paul couldn't come play with Kobe. LOL, man, stop it. Uh, there's it, it, The situations are obviously different. I kind of understand what he's talking about that's referring to when Chris Paul, there was a trade from the, the Hornets to the Lakers, and David Stern nixed it because apparently it would upset the competitive balance of the league, which, you know, This looking back at it now, the, the way teams are constructed these days, it's pretty funny that that deal was nixed. But Lou Williams also said, here comes the new playoff format, and there were just a lot of emojis, a lot of wow, a lot of ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, a lot of crazy from just a lot of different players. Steph Curry said he's going to be the third splash brother now. Obviously, DeMarcus, for a big man, he has a very nice shot from not only uh, behind the three-point line, but just the field in general. So, DeMarcus Cousins goes to, to Golden State. I wasn't upset about it. I don't know. Uh, people were really pissed off. They said, oh, I'm not going to watch the NBA anymore. This league's a joke. I don't know. I, I wasn't pissed off about it. I, I, I don't care. Golden State, they were going to win anyway. It's it's Now, it's just DeMarcus Cousins just happens to get a ring as well. So, I don't know. I don't care. I, I, I really I don't care. I, I really don't. People were really pissed off, but, you know, whatever. Just let the guy do what he wants to do and just, you know, let it go on. Rajon Rondo, uh, not really on the tier of DeMarcus Cousins at this point, but he also made some some news. Another former Pelican, Rajan Rondo, goes to the Los Angeles Lakers on a one-year, $9 million deal. It's an odd roster that they're constructing over in Los Angeles, right? And it's, it's weird because the story with Lee Jenkins came out a couple nights ago and LeBron said, listen... We don't have to, you know, get a lot of veterans. We don't have to build this team to be a contender right now. I want to be in it for the long haul. I want to build a team that's going to last for a long time after I'm gone. And then there's a report that comes out yesterday saying that LeBron wants to win now. So I don't know which one of those is true. It seemed, I I don't understand what exactly they're going for with this roster. Because even yesterday, you bring in JaVale McGee, you bring in Lance Stevenson, you keep Contavious Caldwell pulled up, that's fine. But it's just—it just like it seems like an odd fit. It seems like an odd cluster of of personalities, and R- Rondo especially seems like a very odd fit on this team. Obviously, he has the court vision. He his basketball IQ is is pretty high. Uh, he says some you know some funny things to the media from time to time, but he doesn't defend well, especially not now as he's gotten older. He doesn't shoot the ball well. Now I know people are gonna say, "Oh, playoff Rondo, this oh he's gonna help out Lonzo." And it's if you want to bring him in, you know, maybe to help Lonzo along, I don't know if they brought him in for that. I don't know if they brought him in to be just another veteran presence on that roster for the young guys like your your Lonzo's, your Brandon Ingram's, your Kuzma's, guys like that. It just seems like a very odd fit. And Spike Eskin uh, of 94WIP uh, in Philadelphia, uh, he did not want LeBron to come to Philadelphia. And he, even, he tweeted this out after Rondo, uh, the deal was announced yesterday. He said... Something along the lines of, I don't have the tweet in front of me, he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, it's." He, he mentioned how LeBron always brings, like, these veteran guys with him wherever he goes. And he said he's glad the Sixers didn't get him because then, you know, the Sixers would have had to deal with that. And I kind of agree with him to an extent. I, I got to say, if the Sixers got LeBron and then I see them signing, you know, these these veteran guys like JaVale McGee and Rajon Rondo, guys like that, I wouldn't have been too happy about it. I, I don't know really what the Lakers are constructing – with that roster over there. I'm not a huge fan of it. Even I said yesterday that they'd be happy. They'd be lucky to get past the second round. I, even with all that they're doing right now, I still think that that's the absolute ceiling for this team. I think they, you know, they maybe get a, a six seed at best, and that might be stretching it just a little bit. You look at their lineup right now, you have, you know, Lonzo Ingram, LeBron. I, you can only imagine that McGee's going to be starting. I don't know how much minutes he would get though. Uh, you have Catavius Caldwell Pope, Josh Hart, Rajon Rondo now, Lance Stevenson, Kyle Kuzma, Mo Wagner. Uh, you have Zubac. So it's they have, I guess, depth if if nothing else, right? But I, I struggle to see where the shooting is on this team. I know LeBron can 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 knock it down. You'd hope that Lonzo can get back to to what he used to be able to do. Caldwell Pope, you know. He was thought to be a solid 3 and D wing, so you could, you'd could have to hope that he can shoot. But you just take a step back, it's I don't see where the shooting is on the scene. They have court vision for days. They have depth. I just don't see where the shooting is going to come from. If I'm a Lakers fan, that's the one thing that worries me right now. They still have cap space, right? So they can still you know go out and get a guy that can shoot and maybe help this team out. But uh, the Rondo thing, at, at least at this point, it, until I see more, I don't know, Uh, it's, I can't imagine that he would start. Some people said, oh, maybe they'll put him into the starting lineup. I cannot imagine that he would start. It's, he said it was, he was under the understanding that the best man wins the job. There's no reason why he should be starting for that team. They need to give Lonzo the minutes, but it's, it just seemed like an odd fit to me. That's all. But Rashawn Rondo, goes to Los Angeles. Now, speaking of the Lakers, the final thing I want to talk about with the NBA, uh, former leaguer, Julius Randle. Uh, did not want to be with the Lakers anymore, so he goes to New Orleans. So this a nice New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Golden State connection here uh, in the NBA segment today. He had Julius Randle, two years, $18 million contract with the Pelicans, a player option for year two. He asked the Lakers to rescind his qualifying offer. He didn't really see a spot available for him on that team. So he goes to New Orleans. Apparently, Anthony Davis really like, heavily recruited. Randall to come to, to New Orleans. You look at Randall's stats last year. He averaged sixteen point one points, eight rebounds, two point six assists, and twenty six point seven minutes. He shot fifty five percent from the field, just seventy one percent from the line. He had a you know a, a solid usage rate of twenty five point three percent. His per thirty six numbers are 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 really intriguing. I know some there's a stigma uh, against the per thirty six numbers, and I kind of agree with it to an extent, but it, it's it's just a nice base to look at. Uh, 21.7 points, 10.7 rebounds, 3.5 assists per 36. That's a nice player to have for, for only roughly $9 million a year. And I think we look back at this free agency class. I mentioned it earlier how some teams are really up against the cap. And that's why I think this Randall contract was as cheap as it was. I think when we look back at this class, this, this is going to be a steal of a contract. It's it's very rare you get a player like a Julius Randall who's, who's very young. It's very rare that you get a guy with his upside, his athletic ability – he has good pick-and-roll skills. He's great in the glass. Uh, according to everyone that knows him, he's an extremely hard worker. And if you want to, you can just keep throwing more cliches out there. It's very rare that you get a guy like a Randall on a two-year, $18 million contract. I think he's going to fit in really well in, in New Orleans. Obviously, they just lost Boogie. They they just lost Rajon Rondo. But I think that getting Randall is a, is a nice consolation prize for that organization. He's a guy you can slot in. Immediately, he'll play. You know, over 30 minutes a night for them, uh, as long as he stays healthy. And he did stay healthy last year. He played all 82 games. So you look at their 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 roster right now. You still have Drew Holiday there, Etwan Moore, Darius Miller. You imagine that Randall would probably slot in if you're going to go with a position. He probably slot in at the four with Anthony Davis uh, at the five. Now you could play Randall in, at center uh, in some instances, but it seems like he's better off playing the four. In, in most scenarios. And then you look at the bench, uh, Nikola Miritich is still there. Of course, they traded with the Bulls to get Mirotic last season. Alfred Payton, as I said yesterday, he signed that one year contract with the with the Pelicans. Solomon Hill, DeAndre Liggins. I think if the Pelicans want to maybe take that next step forward this year, you maybe want to get, you know, another another not necessarily another big piece, but you know, maybe just some more depth on that team I think would be good. But Julius Randle to the Pelicans. Uh, if nothing else, it'll make that starting lineup a little better than it would have been. Uh, I think that the the Pelicans fan base are going to be very happy getting a guy like Julius Randle. It seemed like uh, I was looking at what the Lakers fan reaction to it was. They were saying, "Oh, so we essentially traded Rondo for uh, Rand- or Randle for Rondo." And I, I guess that's that's one way to look at it. They were. It's most of them, if not all of them, were very upset that they lost Randle, especially when you look at that contract. But It's at the end of the day, Randall. He didn't want to be there. Um, He didn't see an opportunity. So you know, credit the Lakers. They let him go. They let him become an unrestricted free agent. So he goes to New Orleans, Julius Randall. So to recap: Boogie, Golden State, Rajon Rondo with the Lakers, and Julius Randall to the Pelicans. That was that was really the big news in the NBA yesterday. Smaller move: Seth Curry went to went to Portland. Two years, five point six million dollars. I think he'll be good depth. On a, on a pretty weak Portland bench, obviously you look at Portland, you have Lillard and, and McCollum. Nurkic right now is a restricted free agent. I don't know if Portland's going to bring him back, but as the bench is constructive right now, um, it's it's a little weak. Uh, they, they did draft Anthony Simmons, but overall I think that bench is just a little weak, so I think bringing in Seth Curry helps it out a little bit. Seth looked pretty solid for the Mavericks uh, a season ago. And Norris Noel, another minor signing. He goes to Oklahoma City on a two-year minimum deal. There's a player option for a year or two. His value is obviously very low. He came into the league as a sixth overall pick of the Pelicans, who was then traded to the Philadelphia 76ers in that Drew Holiday deal back in 2013. Missed his entire rookie season, comes back, uh, and ever since then, he's you know his value has just steadily dropped to the point now where it's kind of at rock bottom. He has a chance to build up his stock again, though. His ceiling at this point, he could be a versatile defender. Who's very limited in what he can do offensively, but there's still there's still a place for those kinds of players in the league today. So Noel goes to Oklahoma City, joins that team. Uh, it's I don't know what else Oklahoma City can do. They're they're spending a ton of money right now. I'm interested to see how they kind of work around the cap this year. But Noel to OKC. Those were just the 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 major minor moves of the day uh, in NBA free agency that I felt it was worth talking about. I know Hazonia went to the Knicks. Um, I want to say late Monday, late Monday, I think, or early Monday, somewhere around there. It's funny, Woj actually tweeted that, oh, he's going to the Portland Trailblazers. It's like, oh, don't wait, correction, he's going to the, the New York Knicks. So I'm interested to see how Zony does there. Obviously, early on in his career, it looked like Zonia was going to be a bust, uh, originally a pick of the Magic, but it's in the, in the playing time he got last year, it seemed like he was kind of flashing that upside that the Magic thought they were getting when they drafted him as high as they did several years ago. Chris Bosh, this is the final thing I want to talk about with the with the NBA. Per Alex Kennedy, uh, Alex Kennedy reported that Chris Bosh wants to return and play for the Los Angeles Lakers uh, to be with his buddy LeBron. Now Chris Bosh is currently on blood thinning medicine, so the NBA is not going to allow him to play unless he is on the unless he is off that blood thinning medicine. Uh, and the risk, of course, is if he goes off of that medication, he's at risk for another uh, pulmonary embolism. The Chris, I know he's not listening, but Chris, buddy, you got to just you, you gotta take a step back, realize that you can live comfortably for the rest of your life. I know it's, it, it's tough, right? Not only basketball players experience this, but I think to an extent everyone does when they retire and this is all they've known for their entire lives and then they don't really know quite what to do with themselves. And Bosh is kind of... His career ended uh, way earlier than I thought he, he thought it. I think his career. Uh, let's try to. Uh, let's run that back. Let's run that back. His career ended a lot earlier than I think um, he thought it was going to. There we go. Finally uh, learned how to talk again. Nice. Uh, obviously, uh, his extenuating circumstances made Bosch step away from the game, uh, which is unfortunate, but. Chris, you gotta understand you have a wife, you have kids You can live comfortably for the rest of your life. I know you want to get back out there on the court, buddy, but it's, it's too risky. Some people are saying, Oh, it's the NBA. What are the odds that he gets cut? Cause obviously if, if he gets cut, he could, you know, he could bleed out. There's, there's a, there's a ton of risks that could be potentially, you know, life threatening if Bosch steps foot on a basketball court again. So it's, I I understand that Bosch really wants to get back out there because it seems like he's a competitor. But Chris, buddy, it's it's not worth it. Just stay stay with your wife, save your kids, enjoy the rest of your life, and just and just watch from afar. Uh, it's it's not worth it, buddy. But we want to move on to the the NHL now. We talk about NBA free agency. NHL free agency is still is still going on. The very big move that happened yesterday was James Neal to the Calgary Flames he signed on for a five-year deal worth 5.75 million dollar AAV last year with the Golden Knights in 71 games 25 goals 19 assists and 44 points he made it back to the Stanley Cup finals for the second year in a row of course in 2016 he made it with the National Predators who lost the Penguins and this year he made it with the Golden Knights who ended up losing to the Capitals so he's lost two consecutive Stanley Cups uh, in a row it was very surprising when I saw this uh, for a multitude of factors for the team. And this is not meant for any disrespect towards, towards Calgary, uh, that fan base, anything. It, nobody predicted that James Neal was going to go to Calgary of, of all places. And I think he's a good fit on that team, but nobody expected that whatsoever. And especially for the length, I was kind of surprised he only got five years. Uh, I think that other teams around the league might've definitely given him at least another year, maybe if not two, uh, and the money he he was kind of, it's I don't want to say it was under market value for a guy like James Neal, but to get him on an AAV of five point seven five million, that's that's a good deal. That's a very good deal. So I just get credit the the Calgary front office for convincing Neal to to take this offer. So if the if the trend continues, it seems like Calgary is going to make the uh, Stanley Cup Finals this year, only to lose. But in all seriousness, uh, as I said, I think Neal really fits on this team. I can only imagine, and I, my theory is that, you know, he's been a top six uh, forward for most of his career. I can only imagine that maybe they they lowered the AAV uh, a little bit, but they said to James, listen, we're going to bring you in and you're going to be on their first line. And the first line in Calgary, it's a nice place to be. to be playing with Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan. So I really think that maybe that's why Neal signed on with Calgary, even though he got maybe a little less than he would have gotten from some other teams around the league. Maybe he just wants to play on the first line at this point in his career, and that's why he signed on. You take a look at the Calgary Flames, 84 points. They were 5th in the Pacific Division last year, 26th in goals per game, 19th in goals against per game, 28th on the power play. They converted just a 16% clip. Does signing Neal move the needle? I think that's the question everyone needs to ask. I think it does to an extent. I think he brings some nice. It it's cliche to say, but it really does exist. Uh, if you ask a lot of, of players, you know, around the league, it brings he brings a nice veteran presence. He brings you know the experience, especially if this team gets to the playoffs. You know, he's been there before. He knows what to do. I really think though that combined with Neal, you bring in Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannifin in that uh, in that trade with Carolina that they made during the draft. You bring in Derek Ryan through free agency. You signed Austin Zarnik, who was really highly thought of by a lot of higher-ups in the Bruins organization. They just didn't have a spot for him. So Zarnik signs out with the, the Flames. I think Neal, along with all that, it moves the needle. How much? I, I I don't know. It's hard to say. But Calgary had a very down year last year. was very surprising. It seemed like they could just never really mesh. They never really got in a groove. But I think adding Neal, adding a couple young guns in Lindholm, Hannafin, and I guess another one in Zarnik as well. He's young as well. Uh, it's going to help Calgary get back to the playoffs. I'm fully confident in saying that Calgary can get back to the playoffs. I think it would be helpful if maybe they could get like a goalie or somehow because right now they're just dealing with Mac, uh, Mike Smith. They do have a prospect, um, but it's I don't know if he's ready to go this year. Uh, I would hope that, you know, he's getting kind of close, but – uh, they it's the goaltending is the biggest question right now. Calgary they have the nice defense led by Mark Giordano. Uh, they have the, the offense to compete at at this point, but I think goaltending is obviously the big issue. But if anything else, I think James Neal definitely definitely helps the Calgary Flames more than he hurts, especially on that on that contract. It, I'm not gonna say it's a steal or a bargain, but it's it's a nice team friendly deal for the Flames. I think the fans are really gonna like James Neal. I know it's a Flyers fan. I'm supposed to hate James Neal, but you know I respect him. So, James Neal to the Calgary Flames. The other signing uh, of note happened with the, the San Jose Sharks. Joe Thornton uh, remains with the Sharks. It was not really any surprise whatsoever. He said he was he wanted to remain with the Sharks. He wanted to get it out of the way as quick as possible. One year, $5 million deal for the guy who's inching closer to 40 uh, with a no-trade clause. He only played 47 games last year. That was the lowest of his career. In fact, he's played at least 77 games every season. Dating back to 2002, of course, the lockout year in 2012. That's the, that's the only difference. But uh, 12 goals, 23 assists, 36 points in those 47 games. So in the games he did play, he was still productive. You look at the the San Jose Sharks. They had 100 points last year, right in the nose, third in the Pacific. You take a look at where he where he slots in. Uh, Evander Kane just signed the seven by seven deal to stay with San Jose. So maybe Thorin continues playing with Kane and Pavelski. Maybe he plays with, you know, Hurtle, Couture, Donsky. He's going to be in their top six. It's just a matter of what the, the lines are going to look like, but he'll slide to the top six, and even at his age, he'll still give the Sharks solid production. I'd say uh, at least 55 points, uh, I think is fair, uh, if not more, uh, even though he is kind of inching closer there with that with that age. Uh, the final thing I wanted to talk about, was it was really notable. Uh, according to, to Larry Brooks, Uh, The Senators have given interested teams permission to talk contract extension with Carlson. Uh, Sounds as if if he is looking for a Dowdy deal, which, of course, that was the 8 by 11 that Dowdy got from the Kings. So Carlson is allowed to talk contract extensions with with other teams. Now, according to David Pagnotta, as we've mentioned over the past few days, Vegas, the Rangers, and at least one more team has expressed interest in acquiring both Carlson and Bobby Ryan. Uh, there are six to seven other teams after just Carlson. I'm told the Islanders are among them. Now, it's if you're going to get Carlson, you could try. The reason that you would get Bobby Ryan in the deal is because Ottawa would just be trying to shed salary. At that point, that Bobby Ryan contract is 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 an albatross. It is not, It's not. It was not very good. At the time, it was fine, but it seemed like as soon as Bobby Ryan went to Ottawa, he just completely, completely fell apart. And a lot of that's just because of his hands. Uh, if they never really fully heal... The contract's never going to be worth it, and uh, you know, to this point, the contract's never going to be worth it anyway, to be perfectly honest. But you bring in Bobby Ryan uh, on that deal, and if you trade for Carlson, maybe you don't have to give up as much, especially if you retain all that salary. Maybe you don't have to give up as much if you're going to get Eric Car- Carlson. But I think it's interesting that Carlson was allowed to talk extensions to their teams. He was already going to be gone from Ottawa. I think everyone knew that. He wasn't going to stay but uh, there was a report that he's already been in contact with the, the Vegas Golden Knights GM, George McPhee. So it leads to the brief discussion of where will Carlson go. I think most likely, it's just it's me talking, obviously, I don't have any sources in the NHL, but I think Vegas is probably the most likely. They, it seemed like they almost got a deal done at the, at the deadline for him. They have the assets um, that it takes. So I think Vegas is most likely uh, obviously he was in very well there. Carlson's a, a top three defenseman in the league and when he's healthy, he's arguably the best one. So I, I think that Vegas, I, I, every team could use one of them obviously, but I think Vegas is probably the most realistic, but I don't think you should count out Tampa. Uh, I really think, and obviously you'd have to, they'd have to give up some, some major assets, especially if they don't take on Bobby Ryan, but uh, it's, A lot of people are gonna ask about the money too, but it seems like their front office they're they're pretty good with the cap, so I think I don't think that would be an issue. I kind of wonder uh, if Tampa would kind of bring him on as uh, as a rebuttal to, and that's not the right word, but we're gonna go with a rebuttal to uh, what Toronto did with Tavares. I think Elliot Friedman actually said something similar to this. I don't remember uh, fully, but I think Friedman said that maybe Tampa, you know, maybe does this trade. Uh, as you know, as like a, okay, well, Toronto gets Tavares, to we're gonna get Carlson, and Tampa they have the assets as well to to get a trade done. Uh, it's obviously they already have Victor Hedman, but you add Carlson to that team, I think they're if they're not already the favorites in the Eastern Conference, I would make them far and away uh, the favorites. A dark horse team, though, it's gonna sound biased because I'm a Philadelphia fan, but if the Flyers really wanted to get Eric Carlson, they have the assets to do it. You probably have to part. With at least one of Robert Haig and most more more likely Phil Myers, and then maybe some of your forward pro. Well, not maybe you'd have to part with some of your forward prospects, draft picks. But the Flyers have the assets to to get an Eric Carlson if they so choose. And you, you figure you add Eric Carlson to defense guard that already has Ivan Provorov. You have Shane Goss' bear. Uh, if you know, if you don't have to trade both a Hague and Myers, you have one of them. You'd probably have to trade Myers. So you'd still have Haig, um, most likely. That's a very nice defense core for a team that, especially after Pronger got injured uh, and it was out, you know, it was career ender. This team was looking for defense for a very long time, and now, you know, without Carlson, it's it's very nice. It's a group with a lot of promise. But you add Carlson in there, it's one of the best groups in the entire league. So a dark horse team, I think, to look out for is Philadelphia. Now, the one thing would be the, the money issue. They're going to have to give contracts to guys like Konechny and Provrov here pretty soon uh, and, and some others. But uh, if they really wanted to get Eric Carlson, they would they would be able to do it. So that was that was a little NHL talk. We're going to end today's podcast. I don't think it will go as long as the as the first one did. That was just we had to get over through a lot of things. But this one will be a little shorter. Uh, the final thing I want to talk about is Major League Baseball. We are at the halfway point of the season so I think it would be a good idea just to to look at the standings, look around the league, see what's going on, look, look at the playoff picture, and then discuss maybe some surprises and disappointments, uh, at least to me. So you look at the standings as they are now. The A.L. East is uh, obviously no surprise there. Red Sox at fifty-seven and twenty-nine. The Yankees just one game behind at fifty-four and twenty-eight. Boston won against the Nationals last night, four to three. Rick Porcello had three RBIs. Uh, on one swing of the bat. I think there's only really one other player in baseball this year that's had three RBIs off of Max Scherzer in a game this year. So Purcell joins some, some pretty elite company there, <laughs> I guess you could say. The Yankees lose to the Braves in extras 5-3 thanks to Acuna Matata, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, two-run shot in the top of the 11th. So they are still one game back. Uh, they are 1.5 up in the in the wild card. And then you look at the, the rest of the ALES, nothing to write home about. Tampa is five hundred, Toronto's thirty nine and forty-five, and Baltimore is in contention for that first overall pick. They have been historically bad this year, and I can't imagine it's gonna get any better. The AL Central is kind of a joke. You have Cleveland at forty six and thirty-seven then every other team in that division is under 500. Detroit is the second place team at 38 and 48. They are nine and a half back. They had a nice little run there uh, in May, but they could not keep things going, uh, which was to be expected. Their team is not very good. They're not really, you know, trying to make the playoffs. So 38 and 48, 10 games under 500. That's good for second in the AL Central. So Cleveland's going to run away with that. I'm interested to see when they end up clinching the rest of the uh, al Central Minnesota's at 35 and 46 the white sox 29 and 55 the, the Royals 25 and 59 uh you look at the al West this is I think it, it's a shame for one of these teams so Houston is 55 and 31 Seattle's 54 and 31. it's a shame for Oakland because they're at 46 and 39. I'm going to actually talk about them in a second they're eight and a half back uh in the division eight back in the wild card I think it's a shame because if this team is in the National League, if Oakland's in the National League, they're right in the thick of the playoff race. But unfortunately, they're just in the in the tougher league, so they're, there's not really much they can do. You look at the rest of the uh, the AL West, the Angels, they had a very hot start to the season, but they have since fallen off. They now see themselves at 43 and 42. And Texas rounding out the pack for the AL West at, I want to say, what is that, nine games under five hundred. Now moving to the National League, the Atlanta Braves have been one of, if not the biggest surprise this year at 49 and 34. Followed up right with the Phillies at 45 and 37, who are three and a half back. The Nationals, after losing to Boston last night, they drop another half game back in the or a full game back, I should say, in the division. They are 42 and 41, just a game above 500 for the Washington Nationals. Seven back in the division, but only 3.5 back or three and a half back in the wild card. The Mets, of course, started off 11-1 uh, and one and have since uh, seen their record drop to 33-48. and 48. Uh, That team, most likely, hopefully you would like to see them sell have the deadline, sell their really good piece, and just enter a rebuild because that's the best thing for this or, that organization at this point. And, and Miami, not as bad as I think most people expected them to be, but still sitting at 35-51. and 51, Nothing to write home about. They just came off a win against the Rays last night. Take a look at the NL Central. The Milwaukee Brewers currently leading the pack at 49 and 35, followed by the Chicago Cubs, who are one game back at 47 and 35. St. Louis is still kind of hanging around; they're five and a half back, but they're only two and a half back in the wild card. So, for St. Louis, that's probably going to be their best way to kind of enter the playoffs is through that wild card. And then the NL West, Arizona is still playing very well, 47 and 38, but the Dodgers, you you remember the Dodgers at one point in May were at the bottom of the division behind the Padres. They've since rocketed up to 45 and 39, just one and a half back in the division, one back of the wild card, San Francisco. This is very surprising for me. They're still hanging around. I wasn't expecting San Francisco to be, uh, you know, this good. They're only two and a half back in the division, two back of a wild card spot. I was not expecting that this year, but now they get Bumgarner back off the DL recently, so maybe this team manages to you know play meaningful baseball well into September. Uh, that would have been a surprise for me personally. Colorado sits a forty-two and forty-three five back in the division, four and a half back in the Wild Card race, and San Diego rounds out the the NL West uh, at thirty-seven and forty-nine. So biggest surprises of the year, uh, as I said, I think the the number one team you have to talk about is the Atlanta Braves right now. They sit forty-nine and thirty-four. 23 and 17 at home, 26 and 17 down the road. They're coming off of a win against the New York Yankees last night, five to three. You take a look at this team. Freddie Freeman is the guy you have to talk about um, first. He is having a phenomenal season. He's going to earn uh, a well-deserved All-Star bid. He's slashing 3.11, 4.01, 5.37. He's got 16 home runs. Uh, he has 69 strikeouts, which is a nice number at this point in the year. 48 walks. Ozzy Albie's has been, especially at 21 years of age, he's been great as well. He started off the season very well. He since dropped off just a little bit, but still an 816 OPS from a 21-year-old playing the Keystone. That's very good. He has 17 home runs, uh, which is a very good number for a second baseman, Uh, 48 RBIs. He has seven stolen bases to his name. You look at a guy like a Ronald Acuna, only 20 years old. He started uh, the season off very well, and then he kind of fell off just a little bit, and then he got injured uh, against Boston, and now he comes back. He just had that home run yesterday. At home run a couple days ago. You look at Ronald Acuna's numbers right now: 8.27 OPS. Nick Markakis uh, is doing way better than I think anyone expected him to. Nobody expected Markakis to do anything close to what he's doing this year, especially at 34 years old. He's played in 83 games. He's hitting 3.24 to 3.89 on base percentage. He's in close to 900 at 878. He has nine home runs, 56 RBIs. He's actually walked more than he struck out. He has 38 walks to 37 strikeouts. Marcakis has been, you know, phenomenal is not the the right word to describe it. A 140 OPS plus at 34 years of age is, is incredible. And as a Phillies fan, I'm kind of in awe at what this Braves team has been able to do. So I was talking to one of my friends who hopefully I can get him. I'd love to get him on the podcast soon. His name is Matt. He, he really knows his stuff when it comes to sports. But I was talking to him, I guess it was in in April. And we were talking about, you know, our expectations for for the upcoming baseball season. I was like, yeah, uh, the Braves are going to be a very good team uh, in the next, I think, you know, next year or two, maybe. But this isn't going to be their year. I think you just give them one more year at least, and then I think they'll be there. But this team has has shocked me. Uh, it's I was not expecting them to be forty nine and thirty four. I was not expecting them to be three and a half up on the Phillies and seven up on the on the Washington Nationals. I was not expecting them to be the the best team in the National League at this point, as we are now at July third. They've done so much well. A lot of it is on their their starting pitching. So you have Sean Newcomb, who's pitched to two point seven one ERA now. His FIP is at three point four four, but he still had a solid season for the twenty five year old. Uh, Fulton Newicks has a 2.02 ERA. He's been a, a phenomenal surprise for that team, and he has a FIP of close to of three, right on the nose. Now his problem really is walks. He's walking four guys per per nine innings, but he's also striking out close to 11. So that's the that's the trade-off. Their bullpen has been solid. The rest of their pitching staff has been has been pretty good. So it's it's congratulations to the Braves. I was I was wrong about them. I said it's going to take them another year, but they're here. And I, don't th- I think now we've gotten to the point where you can kind of expect them not to fall off. I'm really looking forward to seeing if they can maintain this, this hold on the, on the NL East. Because I think it's always good to see new teams in the playoffs. And if you could see maybe in Atlanta they're hosting a playoff season, especially in their new ballpark, that'd be, a, that'd be pretty neat. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a Phillies fan, but it's always nice to see new teams. Always nice to see young teams kind of step up into the spotlight. So... Uh, it's been it's been neat to see the Braves, especially with all their young players, taking that next step um, towards contention. Keeping it in the NL least, I think the Phillies have also been a big surprise. And I say that as a Phillies fan, I didn't you know I thought this team could maybe challenge for a playoff spot. But I think considering everything that's gone on this year around the team, I'm surprised that they sit at 45 and 37, just three and a half back, and they're currently in possession of that second wild card spot. They're two games back at the Cubs. Uh, it's you look at this team. Jorge Alfaro has been uh, really great behind the plate some people the the casual fans look at his 250 batting average and say that we need to get somebody else but you kind of have to understand that catchers especially in in today's game most of them are not uh, tremendous hitters so if you can get a guy like a Jorge Alfaro who can give you uh, maybe 15 home runs a year and you know get on base around you know a 300 clip that's fine when he provides you all he does defensively he's you know he's a solid pitch framer he's got a, a heck of a cannon Behind the plate, I believe, out of the the five fastest throws from home to second this year, Alfaro has, I want to say, four of them, uh, the last I checked. So he's been a nice guy to have behind the plate, especially for our pitching staff. Carlos Santana, once again, the casual fans are going to look at the two twenty-three batting average and say, oh, well, this guy was a waste of money. Why did the Phillies get him? They're just blocking Reese, this, that, and the other, without realizing that since May started, he's been one of the best 20, 25 hitters in all of baseball. He has 14 home runs. He, he's, he's 362 OBP, a 433 slung percentage. You got to remember, he started off very, very rough in April, which isn't too surprising. I don't know why people were so surprised. Like, oh, why did we get this guy? He sucks. He, he Notoriously, he is a very slow starter, uh, especially in the month of April. So it, t- historically, when the calendar goes to May, he kind of turns things around. And then from that point on, you're good. But in April, for, more often than not, he's had a rough start to the season most times. So I was just waiting for the calendar to flip, and he's proven me right. He's been a great addition to this lineup. I think the casual fans just need to stop looking at just the batting average and start looking at everything he does for this team. He has 63 walks to just 47 strikeouts. He has a hell of an eye. Uh, an eye. There we go. Yeah, okay, there we go. Forget how to talk again, Ryan. Nice. He has a hell of an eye up there at the plate. Uh, it's fantastic addition. I'm very happy that the Phillies brought him on for, for three years. Cesar Hernandez has kind of been uh, solid. He's got the, the nice OVP at 3.77, OPSing at 7.66. He leads the team in stolen bases with, uh, with 13. Scott Kingery, uh, this was the guy that they gave the contract to without ever stepping foot on a major league field. Uh, he's had a, a very rough go of it uh, in his first uh, major league campaign. He's saying just 226, 275, 336. I think in time he'll be a good player, but his rookie season is definitely rough. Michael Franco has been what you'd expect. I think Gabe Kapler said it very well. Gabe said that if you give this guy 500 plate appearances, he'll hit you 20 to 25 home runs. But he's very inconsistent at the plate. I think it's a perfect way to describe him. Reese Hoskins seems like uh, breaking his jaw was one of the best things that ever happened to him. As bad as that is to say, he's hitting 370 or he's hitting 253 with a 370 OBP, a 490 slugging percentage. He has 14 home runs, uh, 46 walks to to 80 strikeouts. But he's been uh, a much needed. Boost in this lineup ever since he came back from that broken jaw. Udubal Herrera started the season extremely hot. He had that really long on base streak, before he was broken up uh, in that Cardinals series about a month ago. But uh, right now, he he's fallen back down to earth. He was hitting well over 340 at one point. He's since fallen back down to earth. He's hitting just 283. I say just 283, but he has the 337 on base percentage. He's OPSing above 800. He has 14 home runs, which is tied for the team lead with Hoskins and Santana. Very good player. Uh, it's, does he deserve an all-star an All Star bid? It, maybe. It, it's kind of tough with the outfielders that are in the National League, uh, but uh, he's had a very good season. I'm very happy that he's part of the Phillies. It's funny because I've seen multiple people over the years say, oh, Odubel's not a Philadelphia guy. This guy shouldn't be on the team. And they switched their tune this year. Like, oh, we always believed in him. He, I'm very happy to have him on the team, which, I don't know, I think is funny. The pitching staff, uh, It's you kind of have to break it up into, into two different things. So the bullpen has been, has been awful. Uh, it's the, if the Phillies are going to contend, I think you need to add at least one bullpen piece, if not more at somewhere at the deadline and not contend for like a, a world series, but just to like stay in the race. But you look at the starting rotation, Aaron Nola has been very good. He's taking yet another step forward in his progression at age 25. He's had a 2.48 ERA and with the FIP at 2.77. Uh, that's it. It's clear that this isn't a fluke. He is this good. He's one of the best pitchers not just in the National League, but in all of baseball. Jake Arietta started off extremely well, but has, has since uh, fallen off. He currently has a 3.54 ERA. Uh, his, his recent starts, I think, they're kind of overshadowed by the fact that the defense has kind of let him down. And it's funny, he calls out the, the defense after that game against the Giants, and then he has the, a very rough June ERA. I want to say close to 7 uh, in the month of June. He has, he's allowed 50 runs to score. Only 35 of them have been earned over 89 innings pitched this season. And the thing with Arietta that I don't think a lot of people understand, uh, the casual fans look at his ERA and say, oh, this guy sucks. He pitches to contact. So you need a good defense behind you if you pitch to contact. And the thing with the Phillies, they're not a, a phenomenal defensive team. You have Reese Hoskins out in left field. You had J.P. Crawford playing not regular shortstop, but at third base. You've had Kingery all over the infield, so you you have guys that aren't in their regular position. So the the defense has not been as good as Arietta was accustomed to when he was uh, a Chicago Cub. So I think that if this team's defense was a little better, it would show in Arietta's, you know base statistics. But you look at his peripherals; they're they're okay. Uh, I think bringing Arietta in was necessary. And I think now that the calendar has turned to July going forward, I think Arietta will be fine. Velasquez has been uh, very inconsistent, but uh, overall he was doing very well until he just landed on the 10 to D after the, uh, that pitch hit his elbow. And uh, in turn, he had one of the the best plays I think uh, in all of baseball this season. It might end up being, you know, maybe the best to where it hit him in the elbow. So he he, hits him in his right elbow. He runs off the mound he throws his left glove off of his hand, grabs the ball with his left hand, and just fires it over to first base for the out, and then he went to the ground in pain. Pavetta has been extremely inconsistent. Uh, that ERA really just went up after that uh, that monstrosity game against the Nationals a few nights ago. Zach Eflin has been a very big surprise, and the starting rotation as well. Uh, but overall, Phillies, I think if they add one bullpen piece, uh, if not two, they're going to be in this race for a while, but forty-five and thirty-seven, three and a half games out at this point in the year, that's a that's a good place to be. Seattle has also been, I think, a very big surprise as as well. Nobody expected them, especially after the Cano suspension. Nobody expected them to be sitting at fifty-four and thirty-one, just half a game back of the Astros in the AL West and leading the the wild card race. Uh, it's you look at the team. Uh, obviously, Gene Segura has been the the leader on that offense, he has an OPS of 837. He only has six home runs, but he has 14 stolen bases. He's hitting 335 with a 363 OBP. Mitch Haniger is a guy that I don't think is getting enough recognition, probably because he plays in Seattle. But he's been uh, a very, a very nice key in that, in that Seattle lineup. He's hitting 272, 355, 497 with 17 home runs. That's the team lead, or the second on the team, excuse me. Nelson Cruz, even at 37, is still getting it done. He has 21. 21 dingers. He's in 273 with a 356 on base percentage. At 37 years of age, he's still OPSing over 900 at 917. And then you take a look at the at the pitching staff. Big Maple, James Paxton from Canada. He has a 339 ERA, but his FIP of 291 indicates that maybe he's gotten just a little unlucky. Paxton's been, I want to say, one of the best pitchers uh, in the American League this year, if not in, in all baseball. The rest of the starting rotation has been a little inconsistent. Marco Gonzalez started off well. But he has since fallen off a bit. Uh, Wade LeBron- LeBlanc has been a nice surprise. The bullpen, uh, for the you know for the most part, has been has been solid. You got guys like uh, Chase and Bradford, James Pazos, and Edwin Diaz. They're kind of uh, holding the line along with uh, Nick Vincent. But overall, this this Mariners team, I think, is here to stay, and I think getting Cano back is really going to help this team out. But as of right now, the Mariners they're they're in it, and I I really hope I, I mentioned with the Braves, it's always nice to see new teams in the playoff picture. I really hope that the Mariners can kind of break that postseason drought. I think it'd be good not only for that city um, in terms of, you know, for baseball, but just for the league as well. Just seeing the Mariners in the playoffs again, I think that'd be great. The final big surprise for me, the Oakland Athletics. I said it's a shame because they sit right now at 46 and 39. If they're in the National League, they're right in the thick of the playoff picture. But unfortunately, being in that stacked American League where Boston, New York, Houston, Seattle already have at least 54 wins, they're not going to make the playoffs, um, which is unfortunate, but they've had a very, very nice season. Jed Lowry is OPSing at 848. He's hitting 290 to the 351 OBP and 14 home runs. Matt Olsen has 18 home runs. Matt Chapman, who went on the 10-day DL, he had 10 home runs at the time. Chris Davis seems like he'll hit uh, close to 40 bombs again. Steve Piscotti has, you know, he's not done terribly, but he's not done great. But obviously the trade was made for reasons off the baseball field. The, the pitching staff, uh, I think, has been, has been pretty good. Trevor Cahill was looking pretty good before he went on the 10-day DL. Mangdon had a very nice start to the season before he went on the uh, 10-day DL. Uh, Frankie Montes has had a, a couple nice starts. So has uh, Manea. Uh, but there's a lot of potential with this athletic squad. Uh, I think you give them another year or two, I think they'll kind of be there. Um, they'll kind of be you know towards the top of the of the American League uh, I would hope because you can see the talent on the team there. Now they have the talent. It's just, you know, they need to find the right time this year. Obviously it's not going to be their year, but it's nice to see them playing as well as they are. Uh, we want to go just to a few disappointments here before we, uh, we end the podcast uh, on this j- July 3rd. I think the twins are definitely a disappointment for me. They currently sit 35 and 46, 10 games back in the AL central and 17 in the wild card race. It's just, I, I think they're a disappointment just because of what they did last year to what they've done this year. And I can't say it's too big of a surprise, to be perfectly honest with you. This this team, uh, there was something off about this team coming into the year. It just, they didn't seem like they'd be able to to do what they did last year. And I guess clearly they didn't. Brian Dozier has had a very rough year. He's, op- he's barely OPSing over 700. He has 12 home runs and With Dozier, he's always been extremely inconsistent, and it seems like this year that's only continued. Eduardo Escobar and Eddie Rosario have been the the two best guys for that Minnesota Twins offense. Everyone else really has just uh, they've not been very good at all. Even Byron Buxton, he was not doing well at all. He was hitting 156, 183, 200 uh, in 94 play appearances before he went on the the DL. Sano got demoted. Uh, He was not doing very well either. He only had seven home runs. So the, the entire team was really underperforming. You look at the pitching staff. Jake Odorizzi has not been very good. Lance Lynn has been uh, awful. Frenero Romero started off kind of well, but he, he since fell off. Uh, Jose Barrios, he's been inconsistent. He's had times where he's gone out and thrown, you know, seven, eight innings of shutout ball and then followed that up by walking, you know, three, four guys and only lasting four or five innings. So he's been inconsistent. The bullpen is, you know, kind of – the bullpen's been okay, uh, but – Overall, the Twins have been a major disappointment. And I think it's safe to say they will not make the playoffs uh, this year. Angels, I think, have also been a disappointment. Uh, it's a lot of that is because of injuries. You look at their their current injuries. Obviously, Cozart, uh, Ohtani, Schumacher, Garrett Richards, Middleton. The list goes on and on. The guys that they've had to deal with with injuries this year. So that's kind of why I think they've been just uh, a disappointment because of you saw how well they started. So you could see the potential was there. But then as soon as the injuries started coming in. The, the team just really they, they fell off, and that's why they find themselves 43-42 and 42 right now. They're they're basically out of the playoff race. uh It's, it's a shame, uh, especially I feel bad for Mike Trout. The guy is having uh, an MVP season. He's hitting 313, 456, 633. He has 24 home runs. He's still 13 bases. He's going to win the MVP award this year, 74 walks and 73 strikeouts. As long as he stays healthy, the MVP award is his for the taking, but it's just a shame that he's he's wasting away these years of his prime on teams that are not competitive. But it, it, it is what it is at, at this point. You just kind of have to learn to accept it. The final disappointment for me, I think, has been the Rockies, just based on what they were able to do last year, uh, able to to make the playoffs, albeit it was just the wild card game. But they made the playoffs. Now they find themselves 42 and 43. Now they're still in the divisional race. They're only five games back, but they're game under 500 here as we enter July. They're coming off of a win against the Giants. You, you look at the team, obviously their offensive numbers are going to be just a little inflated because they play half their games at Coors Field. But Nolan Arenado's having, uh, he's not hes not the MVP, I'd say, in the National League right now, obviously, but he's having an MVP type season. He's hitting 310, 397, 597 with 20 home runs and 60 RBIs. Uh, he's obviously one of the best, not only best third baseman in all of baseball, but one of the best players in all of baseball. Uh, you look at the, the rest of the offense, Trevor Story has turned it around. He, after a rough year last year, he has an 8.57 OPS and 16 dingers. You look at the pitching staff. John Gray was supposed to really help out that rotation. He was supposed to be their ace. That hasn't happened. He just got demoted down. So they're hoping that uh, a month in the minors kind of helps him out. Right now, Kyle Freeland has been really the most consistent member of that starting rotation, which uh, I think is, is very surprising. But I think... I think the Rockies, out of the three teams that I mentioned, uh, it, it helps that they're in the uh, the National League, but uh, I think they can really turn it around. They're only five games back in the in the division. I think maybe if they just, you know, it's it's easy to say. It's like, oh, if they start playing better, I think they'll be fine. But I think they have the talent on that team, especially with guys like Charlie Blackman and guys like that. I think they have the talent to turn things around. But as, as of this point, they've been uh, just a major disappointment for, for me personally. I think that'll do it for this episode of the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast. I want to thank you all for for listening. Be sure to, uh, I want to stay tuned back in tomorrow. I want to try to get, you know, maybe somebody on. Um, There might not be an episode tomorrow, but if I can maybe get a friend to just hop on and discuss stuff with me, there might be a special July 4th episode. But if not tomorrow, then definitely Thursday. You can find this podcast, as I said, on Anchor, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. And hopefully in the next day or two, you'll be able to find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, all the major services. You can also connect with me on social media at Ryan Waldis, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever if you can think of a social media site, I'm probably on so definitely come check it out. Check out my newly redesigned website at RyanWaldis.com. You can also get a, you can see uh, when I upload a new episode of the podcast, you can see when I write new blog posts, and in the future you can also see my audio and video reels, which will be which will be pretty cool. I Wanna thank you all again for listening and I'll catch you next time.